Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yet another football-packed edition of Talk of Champions coming your way in just a minute. Got Sean Rollins, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. Chuck Ronsville from the Ole Miss football fall camp practice fields to tell you about what's going on. But first, let me tell you about Grove Sharks tailgating. The Ole Miss football season has arrived. It's here. And Grove Sharks tailgating can take care of all your game day needs. Locally owned and operated, Grove Sharks tailgating specializes in tent rentals and setup packages that can accommodate parties and gatherings of all sizes. Customers come first at Grove Sharks tailgating, so pick out a package that suits you best, and they'll take care of everything else. For more information, visit Grove Sharks tailgating at grovesharks.com, grovesharks.com, and like them on Facebook at Grove Sharks or contact owner Eric Trimble at 662-816-3493. That's Eric Trimble at Grove Sharks tailgating, 662-816-3493. And now, it's Talk of Champions. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, and the guest co-host chair is Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip. And two guests on Talk of Champions today, Chuck Ronsel is coming on in about 10 minutes to give a practice report because fall camp is entering its first full week. It kicked off late last week. So Chuck Ronsel coming up in just about 10 minutes. And then Tron Rawlings, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, for a wide-ranging interview about a number of different topics, from his confidence in Matt Luke to the offensive line, which is completely overhauled, even though veterans are in the starting lineup, as well as his thoughts on Hugh Freeze, his recruitment, a bunch of stuff with Sean Rollins, and he'll join us on the Modern Woodman phone line. But first, it's Bennett Hip. Hey, bud, what's up? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? What's going on in your world right now? Not a whole lot, man. Just staying busy, ready for football to get here. Seems like we're we're close, but just not, uh, still got a few weeks to go. Matt Luke addressed the media Monday, and he brought up a couple of interesting things. First and foremost, Alex Givens is going to be reevaluated tomorrow. He's going to Jackson. They'll know a little bit more about his status. I don't know what his availability is going to be for Memphis. If you made me put a bet on it right now, I would venture to say he's not going to be available for Memphis. But Michael Howard has shown some good things so far. Matt said yesterday that he's really stepped up at right tackle. What that means, I don't know. It's camp. Hope springs eternal. But as you'll hear from Sean Rollins in a little bit, the physical nature of the position has never been the problem for Michael Howard and being a potential SEC caliber offensive lineman, it's always been about the weight. So if the 25-pound weight gain is legit and he can hold his own physically, might be able to get by without having Alex Givens, but that's still putting a lot on Royce Newman and Alex Givens and Eli Johnson. Look, this whole fall camp is going to be, first and foremost, a focus on the offensive line because that's far and away, I think, Bennett, the most concerning position right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I don't I'm not sure I really doubt the talent at all. It's just can you stay healthy and can you have some guys step up from depth purposes? So it's um 
Ole Miss is going to be sweating out these days of fall camp, just trying to get guys to the season healthy in those spots. Um, because if they if they can't, there's just there's no semblance of quality depth behind them. So uh, you're really just trying to wrap those guys in bubble wrap. But it's really hard to do that for those positions. So it's um, it's not an ideal situation at all. And um, it's just going to come down to can they get three or four weeks of injury luck to go their way? If so, they'll be in good shape come Memphis. If not, that game gets really weird really early if they really have issues up front. One of the few positions that really has no depth whatsoever, kind of like the offensive line, but we're not talking about it, is tight end. I've been calling for an Octavius Cooley breakout since he arrived on campus four years ago. It hadn't happened. And right now he's running neck and neck with Jason Pellerin. I don't know if that says more about Jason Pellerin or Octavius Cooley. (laughs) I would venture to say the latter. But if you get past those two guys, who's going to play? Jonathan Hess, a converted linebacker? I don't know. That tells you why losing Gabe Angel, another NCAA investigation casualty, is a big deal. He can't find a school to take him, and that's not necessarily a good thing for him or Ole Miss because if he had been your number three tight end, I don't know if that's good or not, but he had been in the system. He'd been there. They developed him to a point to where I think he could have played. He would definitely played this year, but that's a concerning spot. I know Dawson Knox didn't get a lot of opportunities last year, but it wasn't his fault. It was Phil Longo and his misuse of Dawson Knox more than anything else. But I'm looking at the roster every single day, thinking about what we need to be paying attention to. The offensive line, it's glaringly obvious that that's going to be the most critical position to watch all fall camp. But the tight ends, there should be concern there. There has to be. Because on one hand, you also have have two guys there, neither have proven production at a starting quality level. And you also, you don't have much depth behind those guys either. So, if one of those guys doesn't play well or one of those guys gets hurt, you're really going to be in a tough spot, especially running an offense where uh, I think Ole Miss would like to have multiple tight ends out there in spots to run block and do some things misdirection-wise. So Ole Miss has had Ingram, they've had Dawson Knox, but outside of those guys, it's really it's really an indictment of multiple coaching staffs to let this spot get as bad as it has. And and Gabe Angel would definitely help, but we don't have any idea if he's actually good or not either. So you would have more help from a depth standpoint, but from a frontline starting caliber talent, I don't think he would really help that at all. So again, just looking, going back at recruiting and that kind of stuff, this is a spot where Ole Miss has uh, recruited poorly, evaluated poorly, and their depth chart there kind of shows it. I mean, he, there's been a lot of hope from Cooley for a couple of years now. Uh, you said it. I've said it. We've all kind of thought that the breakout was coming. Maybe it is, but at this point, it's hard to really bet on it. And then Pellerin's a converted quarterback. So uh, you can always find back in second street, third street tight ends, but the fact that Ole Miss has this many question marks for their starters is really an issue. I think Ole Miss is going to be competitive from game one. What that means for wins and losses, I don't know. But if you've been paying attention to Twitter and the online discussion the last handful of days, Memphis and Ole Miss are kind of going back and forth. I don't believe in bulletin board material. I think that's stupid. You don't win or lose a game based on whether or not you talk shit about your opponent. doesn't matter. But – it's getting ramped up to the point that I could see this one not just being close, but being pretty contentious. Do you make anything out of the trash talk on both sides? I don't, 
but I think it'll be pretty. I think it'll be pretty chippy at times. I, I think it, I think if you're Memphis, you want it to be chippy. That helps them out. You know, they're playing at home. This is a big game for them. This is a big shot to go win a rivalry game on on national TV to start off the season. And they've got a bunch of kids that are from this area that wanted to play at Ole Miss and didn't get an offer, and so they're going to be hyped up. And and I think especially for Memphis's defense, you know that you've got a redshirt freshman quarterback running a new offense for the first time, making his first start. Yeah. I'm going to be chippy and I'm going to yell at him and, and hit him late. I'm, I'm, I, you know, if I'm Memphis, I'm trying to muck this thing up and get him out of a rhythm early and cause some issues. So I would expect Memphis to come out and be as high as they can get. So I think if you're old miss, it's more, it's more about trying to stay even keeled whether that early storm from Memphis and then kind of get, get on with your business. So I definitely think both sides will be amped up, but I expect Memphis to just be um, almost unbearably hyped up and excited for this game. Does it help or hurt Ole Miss that it's played early in the morning? It, you always hear that the opponents have an advantage there. I don't know if I buy into that all that much. I don't know that. I don't know that it really does either. I, I think it's, um, I, I, I think if you wanted to say it was a disadvantage, I would say it'd be more from a weather standpoint. Ole Miss doesn't have a ton of depth in some spots, and you're playing in 100-degree weather on the turf. That's probably not great, but I, I don't know that the Liberty Bowl at 11.30 is any different than the Liberty Bowl at 7.30. I think it's a game that Ole Miss is very capable of winning, a game Ole Miss is very capable of losing, and I just can't imagine that the early start will really make a factor there either way. As far as fall camp is concerned, there's not a lot to report from it right now other than what Chuck Ronsville is about to tell you. He can break it down. He's been out there every single day. I have not been out there every single day, but Chuck has. Of course he has. He's Chuck. He's going to wander around the practice fields and watch and give his perspective on things. He's concerned about the offensive line, but other positions he's confident about, including the Ole Miss running backs, as he should be. Jerron Ely, what's your expectations for him on game one? I would expect him to have a pretty clear package of plays, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him move around a little bit. Uh, play running back, playing the slot, just get the ball in his hands. uh, Ole Miss has Scotty Phillips, and Scotty Phillips was really good last year, but Jared Ely is a different kind of athlete, a different kind of talent. So I think Ole Miss is going to be pretty creative in getting the ball in his hands and running a few things for him specifically to try and bust a big play. So I I, I would expect him to have a pretty big role. Scotty Phillips is going to be the guy, but – I would expect to see Jerry Neely on the field quite a bit. How do you uh, how do you see that kind of split evening out as the season goes? I think Jerry Neely is going to get more and more carries as the year goes on. I think first three games it'll be a feeling out process, but as Ole Miss looks for some offensive juice, here comes Jerry Neely getting his feet underneath him. It'll be like Kylan Hill when he first broke in at Mississippi State, and I know that it's terrible to compare <laughs> Ole Miss and Mississippi State, but it's the same kind of deal. A starter that, while talented. Maybe the backup is a youngster that's more talented. I think Scotty is woefully underappreciated. He's going to get on an NFL roster and be pretty good. But Jerion's a different type of talent to where you're going to yeah. see it once he gets in there a little bit. I think it's interesting. If you look at Ole Miss and let's say they go into the Memphis game and it's early in the third quarter and they're down a touchdown and they're having a hard time moving the ball, I think that's when you can kind of see Ole Miss kind of take the everything off of – take the training wheels off of Ely and just trying to let him hit a big play. So I, I think it really could be game dependent. If Scotty gets rolling early, I think they'll keep the ball in his hands. But if this thing gets thrown a little bit later, Ole Miss is having trouble moving the ball. 
Scotty's not having some success or they're doing this or that. I think that's when you could see them kind of bust out Ely and say, all right, go make a play somewhere, whether it's the slot, whether it's from the backfield doing whatever. So I think that's a possibility as well. Chuck Ronsville would know how the running back distribution might fall. He's out there at fall camp and he joins us now for a practice report update. And this practice report update is brought to you by the Oxford Park Commission and Cheney's Pharmacy. The Oxford Park Commission is currently registering for youth flag football in the fall baseball season. Leagues are open for ages 6 to 12 in football and 6 to 15 in baseball. Cost to sign up for football is $50, while it's just $40 for baseball. Each sport will be played at FNC Park. For more details, visit www.oxfordparkcommission.com. That's www.oxfordparkcommission.com. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney's Pharmacy. Chinese Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. All right, enough messing around. Huh? Let's play this game. Let's play some football. Joining me now is Chuck Ronsville, my publisher at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Chuck's been out of practice ever since fall camp kicked off last week. Chuck, they started in pads today. First off, how you doing? And second of all, what have you seen so far? I'm doing great, Ben. Um, you know, just excited to get the year started. It's been a long time coming since spring football, but uh, I've got good anticipation. I, I'm enjoying watching this team develop. Uh you know the main things that I'm I'm taking from practice are there's 85 scholarship players out there. You know last year at times there were 59, 60 scholarship players out there, and you can just tell the difference in competition and uh, just the number of able bodies out there. Now certainly some of them are young. Uh, in fact, a lot of them are young. There's 69 sophomore and freshmen out there, and only 20 seniors including the senior walk-ons so you know it's a young squad but it's i think there's some ability out there as far as the different personality of rich rob with the offense mike mcintyre installing his 3-4 defense can you tell a difference on the practice field and the way they're operating and how they're going about their business uh a little bit i mean rich rod is extremely intense uh and you know he's not afraid to get in somebody's face when they mess up and uh mike's a little different he's a little more low-key but he's a he's uh teaches thoroughly very repetitive in nature they go over and over and over the same stuff until they get it down until they're not thinking anymore it's it's a uh, second nature to them and that's that's mike mcintyre's mo it always has been i think uh rich rod's a little more fiery between the hash marks um but you know it, it's just a typical college football practice uh hard to tell a lot of difference but there's good enthusiasm out there good energy 
Uh, of course, it's early in August. You know, they'll they'll hit a wall about midway through August through all this heat and and intense workouts. But uh, you know, and then they pick it up as they go into the first game. They get get some of get their legs back. But uh, it's pretty typical, actually. Position battle wise, which is the most heated, most competitive? Ooh, we. I, I think there's a lot of them. I, I think safety is extremely competitive with Jalen Julius and uh, John Haynes, the JUCO, you know, Jalen was a convert is a converted cornerback. And John Haynes came in in January doing a real good job. You got CJ Miller and Cam White and Montrell Custis, who's coming off of an injury. Uh, Vernon Dasher, they're all vying for some kind of playing time and they're all capable. I think, I, I don't think any of them are, are quote stars, but I, I think they're all solid football players, and how they're going to sort that out, I don't know. Um, you know, there's there's competition on the defensive line. They got a lot of experience and, and a lot of talent up front. Uh, again, I don't see a lot of star power, so to speak, but I see a lot of solid football players: Benito Jones and Josiah Coatney and. Tarikas Tisdale and Austrian Robinson, you know, just on down the line. Ryder Anderson has gotten bigger and stronger and better. And Quentin Bivens is a young guy that's going to make a mark up there. Sincere David is doing some good things. So, you know, that's a that's a real battle right there. Uh, running back, certainly, with Scotty Phillips and Scott. Um, Snoop Connor and Isaiah Woolard and Jerrion Ely and Devon Penniman. There's only one football, you know, and uh, certainly Scotty's going to get his share, but who's going to get the rest of them? That's a big question right now. As far as star power is concerned, where is it coming from? Do you think? I think Scotty certainly is is a is a all SEC quality type player. I think when when he comes back, Alex Givens is that that quality of a player at uh, right or left tackle, wherever they decide to play him. Um, you know, I, I'm, I like Elijah Moore, Ben. Uh, you know, he's young, and I don't know that you could say he's all SEC yet, but I think he's got that star quality, and that's on offense. Uh, Matt Corral, certainly the quarterback, has all the physical tools, but we got to see if he can put it together mentally. He's so young, and and uh, we'll just see if he can control his emotions and and get it done. You know the way you got to do it in the SEC. On defense, uh, you know Benito Jones to me has always been a guy that you can look at and say, okay, he should be, but he's been injured a lot. If he can stay healthy, he's he's got some star quality to him. As far as the backup to Matt Corral, Grant Tisdale, Kincaid Dent, both were in practices in the spring, so they might have a leg up on a John Rice Plumley. But who do you think got the pole position to maybe have that position once they get to Memphis come September? Well it appears that Tisdale does, but I, I don't I don't see much separation to be honest with you in, in any of those three. Uh even even Plumley that hadn't been here as long as them didn't get get to go through spring. I think he's caught up quite a bit and uh there's not a lot of difference between them. I mean, certainly different styles, but uh, as far as productivity, from what little we've been able to watch, uh, they're they're all quality young quarterbacks. They're just so darn young. I mean, golly, should be, you know, just now getting out of high school. Um, 
but uh, it, it is what it is, and they've got to grow up quickly. And I think Rich Rod is not treating them like true freshmen, and he's getting a lot out of them. So we'll see who who shakes out before the Memphis game. But right now it looks like Tisdale. Any newcomer caught your eye so far? Yeah, A.J. Finley uh, looks really good. Defensive back, he's only 17 years old, Ben. He's 6'2". I'd say he's 190, 195 pounds, runs well. I haven't seen him hit yet. That's it's always going to be the asterisk in this answer of this, this question. Um, but he, he, he looks the part. He's a little wiry now. He needs to put on about 10 or 15 pounds, but I like his range, and, and the coaches seem to like him. I think Brandon Mack at outside linebacker, another one that's kind of coltish looking, but – has a lot of athletic ability. I think he'll play this year. A uh, couple of the offensive linemen, uh, Nick Broker and uh, Jeremy James, have stood out to me. And of course, Jerryon Ely is uh, is you know going to be really good here. And Dennis Jackson and Jonathan Mingo, those guys are are you can tell they're they're of the same quality that we're used to having at wide receiver. Again, they're just young. They're just puppies. Sean Rawlings is the guest on today's edition of Talk of Champions, former offensive lineman. So only stands to reason that we got to go there and look at that group, which is completely turned over. Newcomers, first-time starters, are you seeing the offensive line, even without Alex Givens, hold up pretty well? You know, that's hard to say. Uh, we Again, the media isn't allowed to watch a lot of contact. So, uh, I mean, here's the deal. It's their turn. That's the nature of college football. You have turnover every four years. Uh, they've, they've paid their dues. They've labored. They look the part. They're big enough. They're strong enough. They're fast enough. You know, uh, Royce Newman, Bryce Matthews, uh, Eli Johnson. Uh, of course, you have Ben Brown as a veteran, as we know is good enough, and Alex Givens. And Michael Howard has been a really big surprise this, this fall. He's put on about 25 pounds, and he finally looks like an uh, a SEC offensive lineman instead of a, a tight end trying to play offensive line. And uh, I, I think he's going to help that offensive line. Uh, when Alex comes back, you know, he's a, he's a definite starter, so I don't know where that leaves Michael, but I think Michael will certainly help this offensive line. And, uh, you know, again, it's their turn, and it's time for them to produce, and I, I think they will. Tight end is a fascinating position battle. I've been tooting the horn of Octavius Cooley since he was a senior in high school, and yet here he is. It's his time. He should be the starter, and he's competing with Jason Peller. And what's up there? I think it's all learning. You know, I, I think the more Octavius learns, the the better he'll be. Uh, Jason just kicks – he just picks up things so quickly being a for, former quarterback, and Jason's just ahead of him in the learning curve. Uh, you know, physically, Octavius is what you're looking for. Um, he's just a brand-new offense for him, and unfortunately for him, he, he's he's having to learn a new offense, that, and it's uh, – you know, just laborious for him. Okay, last one. Which position group are you least worried about and which are you most worried about? Uh, running back is least worry. Uh, I'd have to I'd have to say offensive line is because of lack of depth, uh, lack of experience. 
and just the unknown, you know, and it's so critical. It's going to be so critical for Matt Corral to have protection and to have for the backs to have holes to run through. I mean, Rich Rod's offense is as good as anybody's in the country, but it won't work without an offensive line, just like no offense will work without an offensive line. And they've got to prove it. You know, I think they will. I'm not down on them at all. Uh, I'm not negative at all, but it, it's, it is a proving ground, and they've got to go out there and do it. How are you staying cool out there? It's hot. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, no, stop again, it. It's we, hot. It's hot out there. Well, again, we're not allowed to stay out there very long. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> even I can stand that. Uh, okay. Have you played golf lately? Can you play golf in this hot weather? Oh, yeah. When really? You, when you've got a little Bose speaker, Bluetooth speaker, and a, and a golf cart and a cooler full of libations, sure you can. Oh, okay. All right. Well, i got to take my, <laughs> my golf tips from you because you know how to do it and get through this heat. He's Chuck Ronswell, my publisher of the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. All right, Ben. Thank you. That was Chuck Ronswell, my publisher at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Ben at Hip. At Bennett Hip, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. We're also available in SoundCloud and should be wherever you get your podcast. But if we're not in any particular spot, let me know on Twitter at Spirit Ben or on the Ole Miss Spirit message board, omspirit.com, and I'll make sure to do what I got to do to get it there for you. Sean Rollins, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, coming up in just a second. You heard from Chuck there, Bennett. The offensive line, the most concerning position for him, for everybody, quite frankly. Newcomers that are sticking out. The names you would expect to see. But this quarterback backup position battle is interesting enough. It's true freshman after true freshman after true freshman. Do you like Grant Tisdale, John Rice Plumley, Kincaid Dent? Who you got? Well, it seems like everyone's pretty impressed with Kincaid Dent. And I'm sure there's plenty of reason for that. But me personally, I'm, I'm more intrigued by John Rice Plumley just from an athleticism standpoint. He's a guy that fits a lot of what Rich Rod has done in the past. So I, I'm very interested to see not only how those guys develop, but how Rich Rod kind of prioritizes which ones. I think Kincaid is probably a better thrower at this point than, than Plumlee, but I would imagine Plumlee is a much better athlete, runner, mover at this point. So it could be this package for this guy, that package for that guy. But I think you could very easily mix and match if you had to, if something happened to Corral. But certainly seems like Kincaid didn't the one that's st- standing out early. It won't last. And it's super, super early. It's super I mean, we're literally week one of yeah. camp. I mean, so much can change. I'm overanalyzing here, but in recruiting, if Ole Miss was completely convinced that Grant Tisdale was the future, they wouldn't have added Kincaid Dent and John Reese Plumley in the exact same recruiting class. I have a full belief whether it's justified or not, I haven't asked Rich Rod myself. I don't think I'd ever get an answer from this anyway. But I would surmise that John Reese Plumley is the hand-picked next guy up for Rich Rodriguez. It's just a matter of getting him ready to play should, God forbid, anything happen to Matt Corral. Again, completely off-base potentially. But from a 10,000-foot view here, that's what it looks like. To be that's kind of where I'm at, too, just from a profile standpoint. You watch so much of Rich Rod, whether – at West Virginia or Arizona or even back to Clemson. And Plumlee just really seems to fit what Rich Rod likes to do. You, you look at even Arizona, New Solomon, I think there's a lot of similarities there with Plumlee as a quarterback from a style standpoint. So it certainly that would make sense to me that he would be the guy that kind of fits what he wants to do. But 
again, the, the genius of Rich Rod is that he can really take whatever kind of quarterback he has and kind of build the offense around him. And, and that's what good coaches do. They take their talent and and mold their offense around that talent as opposed to trying to stick a square peg in a round hole. So I, I think it's really good for Ole Miss that they've got a bunch of options, but obviously not great that all of them are either a redshirt freshman or a true freshman. I'm not sure I've ever seen that before. And it's certainly not ideal, but end of the day, those kids can play. It doesn't really matter what, what year they are. At the end of the day, Matt Corral needs to stay healthy. But will well, he be it, good? It's funny. He, he absolutely, that's what I was going to say. Like, he absolutely needs to stay healthy. But we also have to find out if he can play. Yeah. I, I think we saw him last year, and, and he looked good. But being the starting quarterback and, and playing the entire time and having teams game plan for you and prepare against you, this is a whole different animal. I, I think there's a big assumption from a lot of people, myself included. I think Matt's going to be really good. But that's an assumption at this point. The plan B for Ole Miss is not really apparent at this point. Plan A is Matt Corral stays healthy and Matt Corral is good. Plan B is a smorgasbord of unknown. And I don't know which one you would go to if something were to happen or if he's just not good. Like I think it's very possible that he could have freshman growing pains at some point this season. If you're Ole Miss, what do you do? Do you let him play through them? Do you try and put someone else in? Because you, you really want to get to a bowl game this year. So I really, it's it's not just the health. It's we've got to figure out if he can play, and that really remains to be seen, which is kind of crazy. Chuck Ronsville and David Johnson are doing a tremendous job of covering fall camp for the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com. But I read something yesterday, was talking to Chuck and David, not on the air, off the air. Jason Pellerin could play quarterback if he needs to. Stop, stop. Jason Pellerin is <laughs> never playing quarterback. He's not. If, if that if that comes to fruition, Ole Miss has much bigger issues at hand. I got nothing but love for Jason Pellerin. But oh, Jason Pellerin's great. He, he's the he's a great dude. He's what you want from a guy. Who doesn't work out at one position. Sticks around. Sticks it out. Goes to another position. Has made himself into a guy that's going to play at that new position. But there's a reason he didn't work out at quarterback at the first place. And Ole Miss has yeah, they're young, but Ole Miss does have three or four other options there. It would just, it would be hard for me to imagine the scenario where Ole Miss would turn down that road and put Peller back in at quarterback. It's one of those quintessential early fall camp stories. Jason Peller is never going to play quarterback. He's like the, someone did a story last year going around to every team, basically asking who their like emergency catcher was in case their first three catchers got hurt, who could do it. Like Charlie Colberson is that guy for the Braves. He's their emergency catcher if that were ever to happen. Jason Pellerin is the emergency catcher for the Ole Miss quarterback position, but there's just no way that it would ever get no. to that point. No. The next guy up will be the guy who impresses the most in fall camp. And I think by the end of the month, it'll be John Rice Palmley. Now, it could be Grant Tisdale. I don't think Kincaid Dent's going to be that guy. Who's going to be the person that does it? That'll be what all of us are keeping an eye on. But I tell you, Sean Rawlings is a big believer in Matt Corral. He believes he can get it done. And he's also got belief in this offensive line, this completely revamped, remade offensive line. And he joins us now on the Modern Woodman phone line. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago, I'm talking a couple of months, where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling, but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids, and everything else. I'm sure most every one of you can relate. 
And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local Modern Woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does Modern Woodman do, though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org. www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line, it's Sean Rawlings, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. It's a different side of it for you now, Sean. you never been on this end of it. How's it feel? How you doing? Hey, it feels pretty good, man. A lot more relaxed. You know, I can I can open up a little bit and not going through camp right now, so I'm feeling good, feeling fresh, excited to be on here. No one likes camp. Nobody. You find me somebody that likes camp, and I'll tell you they're lying. It's just kind of the grind, man. It's that's the best part about it is is you're in the grind with some of your best friends, and that's what makes it the most worthwhile. But it's just something you got to do, you know, to to be able to prepare, but yeah, it sucks. That's just part of it. What is the worst part of camp? The middle is the worst time. So once you get started, the first couple of days are fun because, you know, you're getting out there. You don't have pads on. You have the, the media day and all that picture day, all that cool stuff. But once you get to, like, your one weekend, now they have it to where you have an off day every week. But when I was younger, freshman, when we were still doing two days and stuff, after you get through that first week and you're looking forward to meet the Rebels, which is two weeks in, that's when it gets real long and your body just kind of starts getting beat up a little bit. But yeah, it's like the purgatory stage. Like, But now it's to like where, and we had it last year too, now you have a you have an off day every week. So I think every Sunday they do it is you have a day where you, you literally go up there for meetings, uh, which is nice kind of wish I had that freshman and sophomore year but you know it's just it is what it is after they got rid of two days and and all that stuff kind of dimming down a little bit yeah what somewhat. happened to two days did players have any say in that at all no not at all I mean maybe uh I'm sure some guys like lobby for it or something and once everybody kind of started stepping away from it where the the lighter or the second practice maybe my sophomore year started uh decreasing in time so it was a shorter practice but then all of a sudden i i, I don't know i guess it progressed to the point of where they just said you know oh, we'll get rid of it so we have a uh quote-unquote walkthrough in the afternoon without a football good times man was there ever a benefit to it uh i'm probably more like a uh an old school guy when it comes to this i honestly believe mentality you'll see coach luke always finishing finishing practice with board drill and just physical stuff and doing inside run. So just the, uh, I don't want to say tough guys. I don't want to sound like a tool, but it, it is. It's the tough guy, uh, the tough guy mentality. That's what I enjoyed about two a days. Cause I feel like that kind of implemented that mentality. But then again, that second practice, it, it gets to the point of where it's, uh, it's a little senseless because guys are just beat up and tired once you get more into camp. So I feel like it is more productive without without the two a days, but you kind of lose that aspect of the the tough guy mentality. I sound like a tool saying that, but you know, there's no other way to put it. I guess 
Who was the toughest guy to go up against on the boards for you? Benito, for sure. Benito is like a uh, he's like a little stump almost, but his get off. He's so explosive. He'll just spring up under you. So if he gets the leverage, it's it's tough. It's more of like a matter of milliseconds with him because you got to be technically sound getting off the board as soon as that whistle goes or else you're, you're kind of screwed with him. Was there a board battle that was really intense that sticks out in your mind? And you know, <laughs> Alex Gibbons is peanut, forgive me, because that's what, that's what his nickname is. That's what I call him. <laughs> uh, from here on out, I'll call him peanut, all right? Peanut is Alex Gibbons. Whenever peanut gets on the, uh, the boards or you put him one-on-one anything, there's probably like a 60% chance that he's going to get in a fight. He's toned it down a little bit, I'm sure. But I always enjoy watching him on stuff like that because he's just a dog, you know. He's a real tough guy. Where did Peanut come from? I have no idea. His parents, they've been calling him that since ever since he was little. His mom came up here, Miss Ann, and started calling him Peanut in front of people. And Coach Luke took it back and then called him Peanut in the offensive line room. Like what? Peanut. There's no coming uh, back from so, Peanut either. No, so you either call him Peen or Peanut, but yeah, or or AG. Most of the guys call him AG, but I stick with Peen and Peanut. It's a hell of a nickname. The offensive line is brand new this year, but it's unique because three new starters, save for Ben Brown, are juniors. They've been in the program for three years. Royce Newman, Eli Johnson, Bryce Matthews. What's the scouting report right. for each of those guys? So I'm excited to see them this season and watch them progress. Uh, you know, Royce, a guy like Royce, he's got a little experience under his belt, but he's a guy that's talented to where, you know, the more experience he gets, the more settled in he's going to get. You know, I always used to say, and Coach Luke too, his experience is the best teacher. You don't really know what you're going to get. You know, you can do all you want, all the reps you want during camp, and you'll you'll be in kind of football mode, but it, there's no teacher-like experience. So you, you, you kind of don't know what you're going to get with guys until they're out there in the fire and you put them in high-pressure situations. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing with those guys. You know, I think Royce is going to be a great player, and I'm excited to see him kind of swing back and forth, whether he swings from tackle to guard. But I'm excited about him and then Ben, obviously. You know, he's got a chance to be one of the best at, at, at Ole Miss, I believe. The more experience he gets, the better he's going to be. Just kind of things will come more natural to him. You know, he was young this year. He was a freshman. And, well, he started all 12 games, I believe. But, you know, he had a good year, and then – once that experience kind of kind of gets him in a rhythm, then he'll be able to kind of keep building on top of what he's already got. And then Eli, same thing. All these guys had the ability to watch, or they had the benefit of watching guys that were older and uh, watching and seeing how we communicated with each other. Uh, me, Javon, and and Greg, and Jordan, and you know Alex. You know they, they. I feel like they learned a lot, but then again you really find yourself out once you get there and, and you're starting it in front of 90,000 people at Alabama or, or 100,000 people at Alabama or, or Texas A&M. But it's kind of more of an experience thing. So I'm excited to see how they progress and see what happens this season. So I'll be cheering those guys on every game. If you polled all Ole Miss fans right now and said, which area are you most concerned about with Ole Miss in 2019? They'd say the offensive line. Are you in yeah. that same boat, or do you have a little bit more confidence in the guys that were playing behind y'all last year? No, I have confidence in them for sure. I'm hoping that 
that Peanut gets back in a uh, in a spot where he's comfortable re- returning, and I hope that you know he heals up. But you think about losing a guy like him, what that could mean for maybe the your first game even you know i know him and i know that he's going to try to come back as soon as possible so it's not the biggest concern but then again what if he's not there the first game uh that's when it's kind of like the bigger question mark i guess and people start questioning it i'm excited to see what they have to show people because you know that's always been a thing with the o-line is the more people that doubt uh the more you have a chip on your shoulder and i think that's kind of the mentality of a of offensive linemen, but I am confident in those guys and uh, I'm excited to see what they're going to do and uh, just kind of prove people wrong. You know, you got to pick one to break out. Who would be your pick to break out and maybe become that all conference caliber player on the offensive line? I don't know if I would consider Ben Brown a breakout. Alex to me is the, is the proven guy. He kind of sets the mentality for the offensive line and, and he's, he's the leader. I mean, undisputedly. So I'm excited to see see what he does this year. And great player, dog mentality. But I'm excited to see how he kind of takes the next step, the whole NFL picture after that. But I could see him. I saw like preseason poll or preseason rankings of tackles, and they had like top six. Alex Givens wasn't involved, and I mean I I have no idea how you pick six guys ahead of him. I just don't get that. So I'm excited to see see what he has to prove this year he's just a fun guy to watch he's always finishing guys and uh, hopefully he can get a little recognition at the end of the year Uh, if he doesn't I know he wouldn't really care that much this is kind of who he is but him and uh, Ben Brown on that right side those two guys can be nasty together so I'm expecting big things out of Ben too you know hopefully they get the recognition but then again if they don't it is what it is it happens but those those are my two guys, and then Royce Newman. You know, I think he can be a break. All you know, all the guys across. I think Bryce stepping into that role, it's going to be good. So I'm excited to see what you know how it is whenever they, those guys get out there. Michael Howard is just about his weight, right? Does he have the physical tools for the position to tackle? Yeah, yeah. So Mike, uh, I actually saw him right before I left Oxford. So he has gotten big, and that was always the issue with it with him. That that's it. Um, he was always a guy that could get out in space. So he's a good like outside zone stretch guy, and then weight obviously affects you whenever you move to inside zone gap scheme stuff and sitting down the bull rush. So those were his issues, and that was attributed to weight. That's something I'll look for in camp too. Uh, just listening through you guys, you guys stuff. But I'm excited to see the next step that he makes because it's always been a weight thing, and now that he finally has that weight, he gives himself a chance. So that would be fun to see. I've let you get this far and haven't asked about it. It's time now. What the hell happened last year? We'll get that answer from Sean Rawlings, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, in just a second. But first, I got to tell you about the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood. What do we know about living in Oxford right now? One, it's expensive. And two, if you live on one side of town and you want to go to the other side of town, it takes an hour to get through traffic. We're all jammed, packed in like sardines in this town. But have no fear, the Lamar, Oxford's only traditional neighborhood, is under construction brought to you by John Welty Realty and I can already hear it I can hear your first question what's a traditional neighborhood a traditional neighborhood means right where you live a grocery store a brewery restaurants shops all within walking distance of your front door how many times has it happened you're trying to relax have a nice afternoon by yourself you open the refrigerator and immediately 
you get that sense of doom and gloom because you have to go to the grocery store, and that means a three-hour trek across town. When you live at the Lamar, the grocery store is but a quick breezy walk from your front door. But what about the houses? I walk through them. They're custom high-end spec houses. Beautiful finishes, open concept, modern two-story houses. If you're looking for a three-bedroom, a two-bedroom, a one-bedroom, you'll find a fit with any of these three spacious layouts. I myself was blown away. I told John, John, this is where I want to live. So don't delay. Get in with the Lamar right now. Build out is happening. Get your spot. Secure your place. For more information, contact John Welty at john at johnweltyrealty.com. That's john at johnweltyrealty.com. Or give him a call at 662-23-HOMES. 662-23-HOMES. And now, back to Talk of Champions. Oh, dude. I don't know. Golly, that was a uh, roller coaster, man. Humiliating, I guess. That's a nice way to put it. With the with Alabama at the beginning of the season, and it's just tough. It's confusing at times, and and you're kind of leaving leaving games just not knowing what to do. But listen, I I never in my four seasons of playing, I would never go up and question any coordinator, any play call. That's not who I am. That spreads negativity. And it creates a negative mindset in the locker room. I tried to do the best that I could uh, as far as keeping a positive mentality and not letting a cloud hang over because we've had enough of that crap the last couple of years. But yeah, it was a tough one, man. I, I don't know. You might have a better answer than me. Well, I have a couple of ideas. What's that? Go ahead. Shoot. Okay. You won't say it, but Phil Longo's offense was too gimmicky once the field shrank once you got inside the 20s. If you don't have a basic, static offense of plays that can allow you to move without just chasing space it's not successful and then defensively I liked Wesley a lot personally but the scheme it just didn't work and he was a little bit in over his head I think the personnel was good enough offensively six wins should have been nothing defensively I don't know what the hell to say about that defense yeah I mean we were definitely scratching our heads sometimes the biggest thing is if the DBs that we faced were average to below average. I mean, we were just wiping the floor with them. But as soon as you get into guys, into teams with, with DBs who are, you know, SEC caliber, then it's those man situations are a little bit less reliable. It was head scratching sometimes, but what can you do? I'm not going to go up and bad mouth any coach in the, in the locker room. Cause no, it's just, just let negative. me do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll I'll keep I'll leave that to guys like you. Hey, trust me, I saw it. You know, I heard or I heard about it throughout the season, but nothing I can really do about it. I will say that Rich Rod and Mike McIntyre, had that been a year earlier with that offensive talent, defensively the talent's about the same. They returned the most starters on defense, the fewest starters right. on offense. But I think that step up, and it's not a personal thing with those two guys. Phil was great to deal with. So was Wesley. We're paid to talk about this. What's the problem? Oh, yeah. And I would say that the coaching upgrades themselves, in and of themselves, make Ole Miss a better unit, regardless of the loss of talent. I think if y'all would have had Rich Rod, for example, that could have been a one or two game swing. Yeah, I'm pumped about him. You know, that was one of the things that was a little different from what I've heard, just based off of the guys that are playing now. There's a little bit more structure with Rich Rod. They're out there doing walkthroughs for like an hour and a half after they run. It's interesting. 
I feel like that was one of the kind of things that, that he addressed with that hire is uh, a little bit more structure on that side, which I know the guys, you know, they, they talk about it being a little bit tougher, but they're definitely appreciative of that. And, and they know it's for, for better too. So what's your confidence level in Matt Luke getting the job done at Ole Miss? Uh, 110%. 110% you know, isn't a 100, real percentage. 110%, man, because <laughs> nobody could get me this way negatively on that. That's my guy. But he came into a tough situation. He didn't have the ability to hire any any of his guys. None of, none of those guys were his guys, really. He just needed a chance, and this is one of his shots, is being able to hire offense coordinator and hire a defense coordinator and, and look at the job that he's done. And then as far as recruiting, he's, he's an incredible recruiter. It speaks for itself. Just kind of to the guy he is. Just a player's coach. I can go into him personally, the many things I've learned from him. But Please. All right. You got it. So he was always the, the gritty guy. You know, I, I think about whenever I was first coming in, it was just constant criticism from him. And, you know, that, I mean, it's likely of any coach. But he was just relentlessly getting people to always be at their best. I'm as critical as I am today because – he kind of molded me into that way. Everything that you did, whether it was a little, a little thing or a big thing, had to be precise. You know, he was going to make sure of that. You know, he never took it easy on you every single day, every detail of film. And then just the things that he taught us along the way, talking about the little things, like I said, in film, but more so in life. Just talking about how important the little things are. And I think it was a, a Navy SEAL admiral or something at a commencement speech that talked about if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. And that was kind of his philosophy is, is the details and the little things. And they those add up and turn into big victories. And then, you know, another thing he always talked about is kind of treating everybody with the same level of respect. I said earlier to somebody, you know, custodians are probably the uh, the best judge of, of character. And um, that was kind of the philosophy that he had and that, that we all adopted. So that's where you see um, the humility side of, of that. And that's just kind of an innate offensive line trait. But his approach to things is, you know, what got me sold in or bought in from day one. I think he has that, that vision and ability as a, as a head coach that he can get everybody in the program to do that. And you just got to win some games. That's the tough part about it but I feel like he's put them in a, in the best situation to do so with these hires. I told Matt straight up when he came on this podcast recently that my opinion was what held him back initially was keeping Phil and Wesley. Those aren't his coordinator hires, and now he's made those hires. It's a clean slate for yeah. him, but the clock has been moved up. But what are you going to do? Right, and that was the point he made. He said, look, those two guys helped me get the job. I can't turn around and then fire them. And I got that, and I said, that's completely admirable, but welcome to the SEC. Everything is criticized against you and all that kind of stuff. But I think we don't know what Matt is yet. This year is when you'll really see what he is. No, I agree. And this is kind of his first shot at it because he's had the ability to kind of uh, build around him. But I'm I'm Team Luke, man. That's my guy from day one. So that day that Ross Bjork walks in and says, I've made a hire, I've got the new head coach. First of all, it was kind of hokey. I know I'm cynical, but all I could think was, man, just, just roll him out there. But anyway, so he walks in. What would you gauge as the overall response? We were pumped. Everybody's always skeptical about the possibility of having to deal with a clean house, which sucks. It completely changes the program. And, you know, it may be for better sometimes, but, Regardless, during that whole season of 
2017, I think. After that whole deal to where Coach Luke initially took over, his job instantly turned into how can we turn this into a positive? So he was always mitigating the negative on the um, program after that just by earning the player's trust. That's a special trait that he has. He's a guy that wears his emotions on his sleeve, and he's always going to be real with you. And I think that's what gets guys bought into him. But the job he did, kind of changing the mindset of that team, you have a bull band, and then guys are like pissed about that, and and it's easy to be negative about it and put your head down and just kind of go through those 12 games just with a screw-it mentality. But he got people to really buy in to playing for something else. And, you know, that was something that was always easy for me because Ole Miss was my dream school. And I was in a situation that I always dreamed of. And so I was, I was motivated, but that's not everybody. You have guys coming from all sorts of different backgrounds. So getting them to buy into something bigger than themselves, you know, that was one of the most special seasons in my life of playing football because of that reason. You know, a lot of guys bought in something bigger than themselves. And then you kind of have a special ending to the to the season to where, hell, I don't think anybody gave us a chance in that Egg Bowl beforehand, winning that game for him. Because because that was kind of the big factor about it is you want to give Coach Luke a chance or you got to go win this game. So I think it was really rewarding for a lot of guys to see him be named as the head coach. So that was a cool moment. I'll never forget, I was watching the Royal Rumble in Jackson with two friends of mine when I got the word that Sean Rollins had committed. He was going to come to Ole Miss. (laughs) And it had been a while. I mean, that's January, and you've been waiting yeah. on an Ole Miss offer. It pissed you off, quite frankly, that Mississippi State had offered a bunch of good schools that offered, and yet Ole Miss was dragging its feet. And that's kind of what Hugh Freeze did a lot with a lot of guys. He took for granted players who loved Ole Miss in recruiting or he thought were fringe prospects, and he would slow play them until he absolutely had to go get someone. Fortunately for him, you bit because you really wanted to come to Ole Miss. Had you not come, I mean, good Lord, you started games yeah. – as a freshman, and then, of course, as a sophomore and junior and onto your senior season. So you're invaluable for him. But what was that for you? That had to start your career off with Hugh Freeze on a sour note. That had to bother you. I'll get you right back to former Ole Miss offensive lineman Sean Rollins after I tell you real quickly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. You guys know the story at this point. Recently, my wife's expedition was giving me all kinds of trouble. I was pouring money into it. I was fed up. So I called Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford on a whim before my daughter's T-ball game said, guys, I need a new car. And this is what I'm looking for. Ben, we got the perfect car. It's a van. It's a Chrysler Pacifica, which worked for me. It's the only van my wife was willing to drive. I said, cool, I'll be there in an hour. So I drove over. It was sitting there waiting for me. Loaded up, leather seats, car play. It's the best car I've ever bought. And that's no lie. That's what Brian and Mason and all the crew at Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford do. They cater to your needs. They take care of you. They'll give you a great deal. They did it for me. From new and used sales to parts and service, Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates them from every other dealership in Oxford or elsewhere is Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. I can personally vouch for them. If you trust me, you can trust them. Tell them Talk of Champion sent you. They'd get a kick out of it. Hell, I'd get a kick out of it. 
To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-234-8000. To find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep, it's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. And now, it's Talk of Champions. The more time that passed a little bit, the more kind of resentment you have built up. But that's all from a pride perspective. I wanted to play in the SEC. I wanted to play for Ole Miss, but it didn't look likely. Mississippi State was my road to the SEC. I was like, you know what, whatever, I'll I'll play in Mississippi. I'll represent the state of Mississippi on a uh, smaller stage. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you, you have more resentment kind of build up but then again you kind of have to put the pride aside which was really tough coach luke always stayed in touch and probably came to my house a a couple times in december sitting here i remember him getting in my truck we went to go eat somewhere or something and he got into my truck and i had a uh had a mississippi state tag hanging off the mirror he was looking at it with a sour look and hey would you mind and uh, I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And then I kind of grabbed the lanyard and he said, yeah, could you take that off? <laughs> and uh, so I actually took that off of the mirror. And then that was kind of when I transitioned into January. And then I'm going in on a visit. But, you know, it just kind of shows how bad I wanted it and how bad I wanted to play for Ole Miss and represent the state on that stage. And, um, you know, I had to put the pride aside. It's tough as an 18-year-old kid but it's the best decision I've ever made in my life. I didn't really care. I, I didn't have any, any hostilities toward Coach Reed. This just nature of the business. That's how I viewed it. But I was going in to play for Coach Luke. That was my favorite part about signing with Ole Miss. Knowing you and knowing your family like I do, the idea of you playing at State just can't compute in my brain. Oh, dude. Yeah. So my mom said she wasn't going to wear any uh, maroon. She she wouldn't be caught dead with anything Mississippi State on, and she wasn't going to wear maroon, which I think she probably would have cracked. But actually, she probably wouldn't have. I mean, my family would be proud of me wherever I play. Oh, yeah, SEC. blah, 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 but come on. Yeah, but then again, State it would not be as sweet <laughs> as playing Ole Miss for sure. Is your favorite moment the Sugar Bowl, beating State on any particular time? What's your favorite moment when you're in your playing career now that you can look back? Probably the most fun I've ever had in a game at Alabama, my f- redshirt freshman year yeah that one was that was pretty special i mean that was fun it was probably like a a 97 play outing by the offense so everybody was just kind of like beat tired but then again they started coming back in the fourth quarter and kind of like one of those oh shoot moments to where your back's against the wall and, and they're coming back and but that was fun man that was uh sure glad we pulled that one out and then just being able to kind of relish in that as a as a redshirt freshman was a special moment then again the sugar bowl was pretty awesome too egg bowl is always awesome but i would have to go with that alabama win you don't beat alabama every year it was more of a rare moment do you believe in matt corral yeah i love matt matt's a good dude he's got the work ethic of kind of a jack kelly work ethic a little more under control don't prove me wrong Matt. but no i'm excited to see what what he does i want to see that uh kind of gamer mentality you know you got to see him come in at the end of the egg bowl and saw him run out there didn't have the best outing because it's the kid's first sec appearance ever 
but seeing him run out there and kind of pump up the crowd, you got to see a little taste of that mentality. So I'm excited to see kind of more of that Chad Kelly mentality. Last one before I let you go. Give me All your right. prediction. Do you see them getting back to a bowl? They can go to a bowl this year. Are you seeing six wins with this team? It's going to be tough. Put them in a bowl, man. Dang. Put them in a bowl. That was quick. Yeah. <laughs> Put them in a bowl. It's all about these first four games. Memphis is going to be – everybody is expecting it now, so it's not It's not more of like an underdog thing. It's more of like, all right, there's going to be a dog fight. They're like a four-point favorite. Something like that, yeah. So it's all about the first four games. You know, I think if we're able to take care of business then, then it's kind of telling for the rest of the season. But it's going to be fun to see where this team's identity is because it's a whole new offense. You know, I'm excited to see – the guys that I played with, um, guys under me, and, and now they're in the, the position to where they're starting. I'm excited to kind of see those guys grow up and, and, and finally get in those roles to where they're in the same situations that I once was. So really excited about this year, and I'll be watching every game for sure. Real quickly, you have to pick one and only one, so don't do that whole, oh, I like them all, blah, blah. we all like them all, but A.J. Yeah, Brown, D.K., or Greg Little. You got to pick one to make an immediate impact in the NFL on day one. I know you're probably going Greg, day but I'm going to give you a chance to say what you want to say. See, I got to forget. I mean, I got to remember I'm not playing anymore, man. So I'll try to be a little bit guarded with my answer. Yeah. Apologize yep. that. Apologize that. I'm going to drop the guard. I got to go with DK, man. Ooh. I mean, I'm a Greg guy, and I, hopefully, you know, I'll be up in Charlotte this next year. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to go see him play. He's um, got to hook you fun, up with some passes. He's got to. Yeah, no, for sure. He better. I'm going to shoot him a text. But, no, I'm excited to see DK. I think he is in the best situation possible for him. You know, it sucks seeing him slide like he did. I'm sure that night was miserable for him. But to be with a, with a guy like Russell Wilson – and be the deep ball threat for those guys, I think he's in the best situation possible. So I think he has the the immediate impact out of the three. Wish him all the best, but I see DK being an instant threat coming in just with the deep ball, being the deep ball guy. That'll be fun to watch. Well, before you get out of here, tell the people what you're doing now. Just where where you been and, and what went into the decision not to pursue football anymore? What's kind of the goal? Where are you? What's, what's going on? So I was actually in Atlanta. And I, uh, you know, moved into a house, signed with an agent out of Charlotte, started training, got about two weeks into it, went to the East-West Shrine game, which was great. It was a good time. But then again, once I got down there, I ended up having something more small. So it was like kind of a flip disc in my neck, which was not, not really the total reason of why I kind of stepped away from it. But it was just always something, you know, and it kind of, you get to the point of where you lose that spark. I think I lost that spark after that week, and that's when I decided to step away. You you go through it whenever you're doing that, and it's it's just something that you've got to put up with while you're playing, but I'd had enough. So stepped away from football, went back to Ole Miss, got another degree in uh, business management, been trying to network my way, weasel my way into the medical device world, finally got a job with Crosslink, orthopedics in uh, North Carolina. So I'll be out there probably training in East Carolina and then moving into Charlotte in about a year from the starting date. So uh, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm ready to move on to the next phase and get back in the grind a little bit. I was always excited. You know, I was a little too eager. I was probably 295 in January and ended up dropping a bunch of weight. 
I'm about 235 now. I'm a little skinny guy. Dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen you since then. Oh, huh? uh, no. No. Um, what did you do? Yeah. I was taking six hours of class. So I had nothing else to do. So I would work out for maybe an, an hour and a half. And then I would put on like a weighted vest and get on this thing called Jacob's Ladder. And it's just a rotating ladder that you climb and it just kills you. So I would do that for about 15 minutes, just pretty much murder myself every day and then eat like a normal human. I was always having to just gorge myself. So feels pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot, a lot better idea than my whole DDP yoga and keto that I've started back doing again. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you do keto. It's brutal. I did it. I lasted three days. See, the thing is, is I did it once in 2016 and I can say it now because I'm not ashamed anymore. I weighed 240. I was big. For, for me, for my side, it was bad. And so I did it, and I was hardcore for three months. And I got down to 216, and I felt great about myself. But the problem is when you get off of it and start eating yeah. even remotely not great, you add so much yeah. weight back. So I got back up to like 225, and I went, okay, I'm going to try it again. And then when I get off of it, I'm working at it. I'm working at it. Yeah, I like carbs too much. I couldn't do it. See, that's the thing. So, I don't even care about sweets and stuff when I'm dieting. It's bread. Bread, potatoes. Oh, it, that sucks, man. I'm sorry you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. But, hey, I should take after you. I'm going to call you in the next couple of days. Like, all right, Sean, I need a workout plan. Tell me huh. what to do here. I'm gonna, so I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. You got it. You got right. it. He's former Ole Miss offensive lineman Sean Rawlings at Raw50 on Twitter. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Let's hey. talk again. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. That was former Ole Miss offensive lineman Sean Rawlings on Talk of Champions. He joined us on the Modern Woodman phone line. Talk of Champions is brought to you by BNA Bank. I don't know about you, but I want my banking made simple. And I certainly want to trust the people who've got my money. Well, if you're like me, BNA Bank is where you need to go. Maybe you're a student just starting out. You don't know much about personal banking or business banking, loan services. Well, I tell you who does. BNA Bank, be it Mike Staten, Bo Collins, Vance Witt, my buddy Bob Spencer. These are friends of the podcast. Ole Miss fans, sure, but more importantly, they care about you. They're going to take care of you. They're going to make sure that your banking experience is done flawlessly, comfortably, and with trust and respect. With a five-star rating from Bauer Financial and an excellent rating from Weiss Ratings, BNA Bank is recognized as one of the strongest financial institutions in the country. But where can you find them? How about bnabank.com? Or give them a call, 662-534-8171, 662-534-8171. BNA's main office and two branch offices are located in New Albany, my hometown, with another branch located in Myrtle, two branches in Tupelo and Lee County, Mississippi, and one loan production office in Oxford. Where you put your money matters. And the only place to put your money, the only place that Ben Garrett puts his money is BNA Bank. So check them out, bnabank.com, 662-534-8171. There's no other place. They've helped me. They'll help you. Tell them Ben Garrett of Talk of Champions sent you. And now, back to Talk of Champions. All right, Bennett, before we get out of here, what are your Ole Miss storylines to watch this week? I want to see what happens with Alex Gibbons' doctor visit. What does the MRI say? Because if that timetable changes now and he goes from – we think he can play to, well, we're not really sure now. That really puts an impetus on Michael Howard being a guy and keeping that weight on and having a good camp. And it absolutely means that Ole Miss can't afford any injuries at all on the offensive line. So I think that has to be the big thing. And 
I'm just kind of interested to see backup quarterback, how that plays out. And I just want to hear more about the defense. I feel like there's so much focus on the offense, whether it's offensive line or backup quarterback. I feel like we haven't really gotten into the defense in terms of what they're going to look like, what you know, Mike McIntyre is kind of thinking, what they're going to be uh, as a can they improve week one? Is it going to take some time? So that's kind of what I'm looking for to, to kind of hear coming out of, of practice. I did a story last week, Friday, actually, for the Ole Miss Spirit about Jamin Brakefield. I caught up with him after an unofficial visit to Ole Miss. It was the only unofficial he took or will take before his senior year in high school. He's not reclassifying. He told me that straight up. He said he got close to doing it, decided he wanted to go back to school. A lot went into that decision, but had he done it, he'd have ended up at Ole Miss. He didn't tell me that, but trust me, from every bit of sourcing I could possibly get, if he'd have reclassified, he'd have gone to Ole Miss. Ole Miss is still a leading school for him. It's going to be a battle, but a fascinating snippet from that interview. Kentucky's not talking to him that much right now. There was this concern, and he's got 100% projection in the 247 crystal ball projections of going to Kentucky, but he's not hearing from Kentucky a lot right now. I think Ole Miss, going into the season, has, without a doubt, cemented itself as the leading school for him. It's going to be a battle all the way up to November, and there are a number of schools after him many of which are in the SEC. He's got 30-plus offers. But I think Ole Miss is in the best position of anyone right now. One thing we need to clear up real quickly, though, for those out there thinking that he's going to be program-altering guy even more so than like Hadim C. or a Sammy Hunter, pop the brakes a little bit. I know we love recruiting rankings, and Jameis ranked really highly, but there's just as much excitement about Hadim C., Sammy Hunter, Austin Crowley, as there would be if Jamin Brakefield came on campus. Not to say Jamin Brakefield wouldn't be awesome. I know we always look at what's next rather than what's here. And Ole Miss did a really good job in that class. We're not giving them enough credit, I don't think, for how good that class came together. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned Kentucky for a second and, and how they're not talking to him. Well, the, the main reason they're not at this point is Kentucky has two commitments right now. One's a 6'6 shooting guard, one's a 6'6 wing. Those guys are very similar in body type and style to Jamie Brakefield. So it depends on, obviously, they've got those two locked up. They have some other guys there. So it seems like Ole Miss was so worried about Kentucky a year ago. Now I think it's the other school in Kentucky they're going to be worrying about, which is Louisville. He's got an official visit there coming up and I think September is when they're when they're doing it for yep. their Louisville for their March Madness deal or whatever. Jamie's gonna be a guy that does a lot of things really well and he's talented, he's athletic, he he's going to be um he's a guy that really makes the guys around him better and he's also extremely talented himself, but he's not this, you know, one and done monster guy that's going to he's not Zion and, and you know he's not that kind of guy. Uh, but he's in that next tier, and he's very, very good. And I think so much of that attention comes from if you're an Ole Miss basketball fan or if you're an Ole Miss basketball coach, landing one of those guys with that ranking behind, beside his name exactly. is so important. And that's that's why there's so much focus on him and why there's so much anticipation is because you land one of those guys and a guy that is you know it's not just uh, – not a guy from down the street. Yeah, he's from Mississippi, but he's been elsewhere. He's been to prep school. He's been kind of all over. That's a, And you're not going out and just beating Mississippi State or someone like that. If you land Jamin Brakefield, you're, land, you're winning a big-time national recruiting battle at a guy at a big-time prep school that does have ties to, to Mississippi, obviously. But it, it'd be 
a recording battle that Ole Miss hasn't won in God knows how long, if ever. So that's why there's so much anticipation, and I surely understand that he's a he's a hell of a player. Hadim C was a recruitment like that, but it wasn't quite to what Jamin's is. He had LSU and East Carolina and Pitt all after him heavy, but this is a different field that you're competing against. He yeah, didn't have thirty plus offers. He's gonna be an immediate impact guy. He's gonna be a huge part of what makes Ole Miss a potentially NCAA tournament team again next year. But the greatest currency in college basketball are highly ranked prep school guys. And when you go in and look at Jamin and see those thirty plus offers, that's exactly what he is. And when you're competing against thirty other schools, Louisville, Kentucky, Auburn, Alabama, it's a different animal, even than those right. specialty players that had more unique recruitments, if that makes sense. It's it's no knock on Hadim C, but Ole Miss is, has kind of been there with the JUCO guys. They've won some of those recruiting battles. A lot of Ole Miss's great players have been JUCO guys or transfers, and so they've been down that road before. Landing a break field, that's not something Ole Miss has really done before. And I know you have to go back to – I guess you could go back to Justin Reed and those guys, and maybe those are comparable. But in the modern era – in this era of recruiting rankings and stars and everything, Ole Miss has not landed that guy, and this is their really their best shot, and I think they're in a great spot to do it, but it's going to be a long nine months, something like that, whether he goes early or late. We'll see what he wants to do. I think he's saying now he wants to go late, but that can always change in a, in a moment's notice. So, yeah, it's um, it'd be a recruiting battle that Ole Miss hadn't won before, and it would also, for Kermit Davis – um, would put out some notice to everyone else that says that would say, hey, yeah, we, we've been really good. We made it the tournament last year, but this is different. We're going to come out and we're going to be we're going to be a problem on the recruiting trail. And that's what getting a guy like Jamie Brakefield does, because he's been on the radar for so many years now. And he's not a pop up guy. Teams have known about him for three, four, five years at this point. So it'd be a big win and they're in good they're in good shape, but it's going to be uh gonna be a, a long haul there. The twenty twenty reclassification possibility that I first reported on back early, early in the summer, still in line to happen. We'll see if anything changes. More to come on that. When the time warrants, but that's it, we're done. This talk of Champions Edition is over. Our thanks to Sean Rawlings, Chuck Ronzeville. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben. He's been at hip at Bennett Hip. Please subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you leave a review, make sure it's a five-star review. Talk as much crap about me as you want, as long as it's five stars. I don't care. And go to the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. The best coverage of Ole Miss's fall camp from David Johnson, Chuck Ronsville. It's all right there. All you got to do is click, go check it out. Deal's going right now with the Ole Miss Spirit. It's never been cheaper. So go check it out, omspirit.com. I'm Ben Garrett. He's been a hip. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Absolutely. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.